On today's episode of the Cosmos Podcast, Justin Bernardo returns to the studio, and we're joined by our colleague Shabazz Dillon for a roundtable discussion. We discuss some big news stories in Canadian sports business from the past week, such as Rogers considering selling the Blue Jays, we break down why they might be considering selling the team, and some possible scenarios for how it could play out, Verizon's huge streaming deal with the NFL, and the landscape of sports media in general with more over-the-top networks emerging, and TFC's MLS Cup victory and what winning a championship can do for the business side of sports. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the Cosmos Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or TuneIn. And if you have any questions about what's discussed on the podcast, you can reach us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, or by email at info at cosmosports.com. And if you like what you hear, we'd very much appreciate a rating or a review. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back, Justin. Oh. In the studio again. Hi, Evan. How are you? Can't believe you had me back this week. Yeah, yeah. Couldn't <laughs> couldn't find anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> That's no, okay. Wel- welcome back, uh, <laughs> and and we welcome Shabazz to to the podcast. Hello, everyone. First time um, on the podcast, um, but from what we understand, a radio veteran uh, has been on uh, Fan Five Ninety before. A couple local, other uh, local local Brampton initiatives yeah. as well. It's been yeah. fun. Yeah. Great. So, uh, so we've got a few things to, to chat about this week. Um, uh, starting with a uh, big story from uh, Rogers and, and from MLB uh, rumors that the Blue Jays and Rogers considering selling the Blue Jays. Not sure to, to what extent there's any any traction behind this rumor, but some uh, some kind of cryptic messaging coming from the the CFO of Rogers at uh, at a conference uh, earlier last week about the value of the Jays and whether Rogers is seeing the full value of the Jays uh, on their, on their uh, balance sheets and so forth. And so, so what do you guys think about this? I mean, we're, we're only, I guess a season or so removed from, from the, one of the more exciting seasons of the Jays last season, not so great, but um, what do you guys think of the, of Rogers looking to maybe sell? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's been, uh, it's been a lot of story about for the last week here. So, I mean, Rogers bought the team back in 2000 uh, for, seems like pennies on the dollar now, right? 165 million, um, as Shabazz said, and and now they're looking at, I mean, Forbes came out with a number saying that the Blue Jays are valued at 1.3 billion, but um, they're looking to sell for 1.6 billion. Uh, And Evan, we were talking about before the podcast that the floor is kind of the Miami Marlins. That's the benchmark now. They just sold recently for 1.2 billion, so... Um, I mean, first thought is that's some prudent investing. <laughs> I mean, you're making nine to nine to ten to one on your money. So, um, you know, and I think you know from a fan's perspective as well, the Blue Jays did, you know, have they hit their peak in terms of on-field product and and people showing up in droves to support the team and and and, and the TV numbers being so high. So, um, yeah, like you said, Evan, last year was a little bit of a struggle. Um, and we always have this debate in the office, do wins correlate to, you know, value and, and people showing up in TV numbers. I'm of the, uh, mindset that it does. Uh, but Rogers looks just to be testing the waters a little bit seeing if there's any biters. I mean, it's, it's all well and good to, to want to sell a team. You need, you need somebody on the other end too. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, and yeah, uh, I mean, Shabazz, do you have... I know, I know you've been looking into this for a little, a little while too. So 
Um, like, what do you think about Rodgers? And 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 do you think this is a quick process? Do you think it's going to take a while? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's interesting for sure. Like, I think it makes sense at this point for what Rodgers is at and what they're trying to do in the business. Kind of when you look what the CFO said at the at the meetings there. I think it started honestly with the Leafs selling the name rights to the ACC. They saw the value on that and what kind of influx of cash they could get because the Jays don't make the don't make much of their budget for them at all, um, and they're trying to kind of expand into like their own what they actually do in terms of media, um, and they're all about the broadcasting, right? So the broadcasting is where most of their stuff comes to, and they're coming to a realization that they don't have to own the team to have the broadcasting rights, like they would with the NHL, obviously. They own a part of the Leafs, but they don't. They don't need to do that to own the broadcasting rights, and that's where the majority of their income come from comes from. On that side, yeah, I, I you know, I think that that is a good point. I mean, they probably do have to chat with you know the new ownership and and put it into a contract or or the deal, make sure that they keep the broadcasting rights at least for a few years. Um, I don't, I don't know if it's going to be um, you know that that simple, but. Um, yeah, I mean, like like Shabazz said, I mean, there's millions of people watching uh, throughout the season, and and that's where they make kind of that's where they make most of their cash from um, with the Jays. So uh, as long as they keep the broadcasting rates, I could see this as a kind of a, a smart decision by Rogers. Uh, but it'll be again, like I said, it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. I think their CFO had like a really good quote where it kind of puts that in perspective, where he said. The Jays are a very valuable asset for them, but they don't get full credit for it. Like what he's saying is that they get credit for the broadcasting, and that's what's making them the money. And although you know the Jays are valued at one point six five one point six billion, what they're trying to get, try to sell it for, but it, it doesn't really mean anything to Rogers without the broadcast. Yeah, I think it's pretty telling. I mean, the way the CFO describes it, and another senior executive is at, at Rogers. They, I mean, they they call it a non core asset. This is something that's not really their core competency in terms of running a running a professional sports team and even though they own uh 37 and a half percent of mlsc the leafs raptors uh, marley's tfc um and 100 percent of the jays they still consider it a, a non-core asset um broadcasting being more of a, a core asset for them and i guess you know that's where you would see the the real value for them coming from um is the is the broadcast rights but um i mean how realistic do we think think it is that you know as rogers you, you want to kind of have your cake and eat it too so you want to sell the team um get somebody else to kind of pay the pay the bills to run the team on the day-to-day basis but uh keep the keep the broadcast rights does that that would you would think that would bring down the value of the team wouldn't it yeah um and that's pie in the sky kind of stuff too i that's the ideal situation and and uh you know and you want to i think rogers uh, feels a little bit of obligation to sell it to um, a good owner, whoever's next. Um, I know I, I read the, the CFO's comments. They they feel like they want to move it to somebody who's not just another, you know, uh, a public organization or a pension where they have obligation to make profit for their investors. I think they, you know, if we can find, um, you know, someone, a singular person who, who does care about, um, you know, the on-field production and, and, and all that stuff. I mean, with the pensions and with the public funding, they they have to, you know, make money for their investors. So does the on-field product then suffer for the Jays? 
uh, to get that, you know, the, those profit margins up? I think so. So, you know, it'll be interesting. I hope they, they sell it to somebody who, who does care about the team and wants to see the team succeed on the field just as much as they want to see, you know, the bottom line moving up. So, um, yeah. I think adding to that point, what Evan said about the broadcasting, I don't think the value changes with or without the broadcasting, but I think the only way it kind of doesn't sell to that person that they want to own the team, like an individual that kind of doesn't have a public interest as well, or fans' interest, but not the public yeah, interest, yeah. Um, if, if another media company comes in, they're going to have to offer way higher than the $1.6 billion to get that because they're going to want the broadcasting rights as well. But again, I don't see that happening. Like Again, like I noted that every, I think every team, every MLB team that's been owned by a media company except for one being Atlanta and Turner has fizzled out. So CBS owned the Yankees, Tribune owned the Cubs, and Angels, uh, Disney owned the Angels. And those all kind of did not work out at all. So. Angels on the outfield is one of my favorite sports <laughs> movies. <laughs> uh, the, the, the other rumor we've heard in, in recent years is um, you know, when you look at the Blue Jays, it's pretty uh, pretty vertically integrated in the sense they own the team, they own the naming rights to the building, they own the broadcast rights. Um, so if they're looking to kind of extract some value from, from the team that they think they don't get full credit for, uh, what about kind of uh, taking the naming rights which you would kind of assume, you know, maybe they're they're taking money out of one pocket, putting it in another, but uh, not really costing them anything. Um, what about you know putting that to market and, and seeing what they could fetch for uh, for naming rights, particularly like you said, uh, you know, after they've saw their neighbors down the street just get a, a pretty good deal for um, uh, for their naming rights. I think I think that's where this goes first. I think the naming rights. I think if they're going to put it in order, it'd be uh, the broadcasting. They don't want to go anywhere. I think that's the number one. Like that's kind of what we said. It's their core asset in that in that sense. They want to sell the naming rights. Would be the I think they, probably the easiest to sell. It's the one that could happen on the quickest timeline, and then the team would be the next thing because again, it's not their core asset. But it would just take more time to sell it. I think Justin, you had mentioned that it's valued at something. Two hundred sixty-five million. I saw. Yeah. So that that, they would value that. Yeah. It's more than they bought the team for. So I mean, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and it kind of. Um, you know, you think about why, you know, it'd be interesting to see what the initial kind of thought was to naming the building uh, Rogers Center anyways. I mean, if they're looking to unload it for $265 million, you know, what what did that look like 10 years ago? I believe it's just got a 20-year deal. Um, what, you know, what could they get for it now versus five years ago? Did they make the right decision? But, yeah, just, it, you know... Um, Crap! I'm just gonna bring up the Patriots, <laughs> but you know Robert Kraft owns that. He owns Kraft's Food and and Gillette Stadiums on the on the naming rights. He could have named it the Kraft Stadium. Why not, right? But um, he saw the revenue potential there, so it's interesting to see that you know Rogers valued having their own name up on the on the uh, on the stadium rather than than selling it years ago. Uh, why do you guys think now? Like, why why would they look to to sell the team now? So we we kind of opened up the segment saying, you know, they're coming off a season when uh, not their their greatest on on field. Um, where before that, the year couple of years before that, some of the most exciting baseball we've seen in Toronto in, in twenty plus years. So, um, is there is there some timing to this that you know maybe they should have if they were really serious about it, you know, kind of try to time that with with a winning product on the field, or does that really come into play? Um, I don't know. What do, you, what do you guys think? I think – I don't think on the on-field matters. I think it's more on the business side for them in terms of their shareholders and whatnot, like Justin mentioned with the ownership. 
that these guys are a publicly traded company. They're more about their shareholders than what the fans want. Um, so kind of like when I was looking into it, so they stopped increasing their shareholder dividends last year, and that was a big issue at their AGM meetings. So obviously if they were to sell off something like this, this would help kind of bring that back. And, and there's some, I don't know much about wireless spectrum licenses, but there's a new big thing going out in Ottawa where it's going to be a bidding uh, going on for for new wireless licenses in across Canada. So they need money for that because they have so many more users using their data. They need to expand their network. And that's why they're doing it because, I don't know, I don't think anyone likes calling Rogers and sitting on the phone and having to you know talk to them and whatnot. So they need to make sure they're good on that end because that is their pro- that is their core asset, right? Not not the owning the Blue Jays. Yeah, and I think um, I think I'll just disagree a little bit. I think the on-field product, obviously, the the way the Blue Jays have been kind of trending the last two or three years, I, I you know the valuation definitely has gone up. They were selling out games those you know the previous two years of before last year, but. They're selling out games left, right, and center. We have, you know, Jason Diplock, um, who we've chatted with a couple times. Was you couldn't, I mean, tickets would go on sale and they'd be sold out in ten minutes. And and I think, you know, sports stuff. And again, I, I always talk from a fan perspective. But you got, you have, you know, Giancarlo Stan just got traded to the Yankees, and it's <laughs> we're just we're going. And I think you know Rogers sees that they have an asset here that that made them profit uh, is worth more than it was five years ago, four years ago, three years ago, right? And and they're trying to capitalize on it. And in a good, I think it's a good time for them to, to look for other suitors. Mm-hmm. I guess from, from the naming rights perspective too, I mean, they've, they, they already have their name on a building in Vancouver and now Edmonton as well. So, point, yeah. I mean, they have pretty marquee naming rights assets. So maybe they're just looking at Know, offloading one of them, uh, one that you know they have a tremendous upside in actually letting letting go to the to the market. Like it's not they can control who it goes to. So if yeah. Bell wants it. They're probably. I wonder if not they let them have it. I wonder if they identified it as probably the one that way makes them the least profit. Uh, as I mean, they if again like we've said, if they keep the broadcasting rights, the difference between playing a hockey team and playing a, a full baseball team is. Pretty, there's a big difference. I think I think the payroll last year was 160, 150, 160 million just with players. So that's that's a pretty big, you know, price to pay just to put a team on the field. Yeah. Right? Maybe they identified it as their their least uh, attractive asset. Well, I think Shabazz, like Shabazz, what you were saying about you know trying to free up some cash to put some investments in um, infrastructure for their wireless. You know, just taking a look at um, some numbers from Bloomberg. You know, they talk about fifty seven percent of their think it's their revenue coming from their wireless business um the jays which they kind of lump into their their media business only accounts for 15 percent of their their total revenue so it's it's still a, a relatively small thing and then from a high level strategic standpoint you know then you might be looking at it and saying you know this money's better spent um when you know when the motivation is the shareholders too it's um yeah if we were you know from a new owner standpoint um you know, if you again, you, you look down the street and you look at the the owners of the other every other major pro team in, in Toronto, it's a combination of Bell and Rogers and then and Larry, Larry Tannenbaum. But um, what do you guys think about MLSC? Like, are they a, a candidate to to buy the Leafs? Like, it seems to me like the most natural group. They own every other team. 
I don't know. They've always been they've always been the outlier, right? So I mean, uh, I get the Argos did it. Yeah, maybe the Jays are. Nice. It almost feels like they don't like them or something. Like they don't <laughs> want to buy them, but I, yeah, I, that just makes why 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 wouldn't they? If it, it works for them. Yeah, and I mean MLSE, like we'll talk about this later, but you saw they 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 do care about the products they're putting on on the field and. Um, you know they pay, they went and paid top dollar to top stars to get them into into these markets and the Raptors are starting to resign players after you know 10 20 years of ineptitude <laughs> on that side and and TFC you know put the pedal to the metal and, and we all know what that brought them last weekend so maybe it's a good fit I, I didn't even think about this before you brought it up but I, I, I think you're on to something here we wonder like because right now they own hundred percent of the blue Jays if they sell the Blue Jays to MLSE, they would essentially retain 37.5% of the Blue Jays. So they'd able to be able to extract a whole bunch of cash from the Jays while keeping um, a pretty good share of it uh, and probably some pretty good control of uh, broadcast uh, rights. Maybe not exclusive. You may not be able to kind of wrestle that away from, from MLSE and from Bell, but you know, maybe that's the way to extract the most value, but you know, it's still keeping... Um, keeping some control over over a team that you've owned for 17 years. I think it would be, actually, kind of goes back to the podcast last week. I think one at 1.6 billion, the Blue Jays would be their most um, valuable asset. The Leafs yeah. were at 1.4 billion, so it's interesting to think of like Leafs or Leafs Town, right? But yeah. the Blue Jays would be worth more at that point. Interesting, yeah. very interesting, yes. Evan. Yeah. <laughs> I know, um, I know too. We've been you know chatting a lot about the broadcasting rights and, and whatnot about Rogers and stuff, but it kind of goes to show you too about a little bit, and I, I don't know, stealing Evans Thunder here, about, but the changing landscape and how people are kind of consuming sports and stuff like that. So, um, you know, Rogers has a TV deal. I know you can, they have, Evan, you were saying Sportsnet Now and stuff like that, right? So Yeah, there's Sportsnet Now app where you can, for cord cutters out there or, or people who have never had cable, you can get all your Sportsnet channels for you know, like 25 bucks a month or something like that. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and we're, we're all lead busy lives here and, and cable's kind of expensive now. So, um, you know, we're, we are we are taking it in different ways. And I think maybe Roger sees a little bit of opportunity in that. And I think we want to – something that happened this week and we were chatting about it a lot. And Shabazz and I are big NFL fans, but – um, the uh, the new broadcasting deals uh, that just happened this week. Yeah, you were saying with the uh, with Verizon with the the NFL. Yeah, Oof, uh, a lot of money. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, so much for the NFL's dying kind of narrative there. Right? Yeah. Well, Verizon was a. I think Verizon was a partner uh, before they they kind of came back. The, the increase in the value of the sponsorship is something like five hundred percent. Yeah, more that they're paying right now because of. So they bought Yahoo, they bought AOL. So it's going to be more, I guess before it was just more about promoting Verizon and the wireless services that they had. But now they have, they bought Yahoo and AOL recently, what gives them a platform to stream, like we're talking about, this streaming sports service is what everyone is going to. And now they can hit kind of so many different corners, being Verizon, using Yahoo, using AOL. It's, it's a really interesting partnership in my, in my mind. Yeah, I mean... Uh, it's valued at, like we said, $2.5 billion over five years. So it's $500 million a year, and it's a huge undertaking. And, and I know we were chatting about it a little bit, Evan, but um, 
it seems like the NFL um, gets a rap for, you know, TV numbers being down, but we see that, you know, just doing a little bit of research that the numbers are pretty consistent around sports and TV in general. And that's, that's me not, you know, that's not a direct correlation with the product or like people will have you think, but you know, uh, how we're, how we're taking it in. Um, you know, if I could watch a, a game on my phone while, you know, uh, at the mall or whatever it is, and that's, that's, Beast that's game. awesome. Yeah. Beast game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and a lot of people are, you know, on the laptops and, you know, sometimes you can't world cups coming up this summer, you know, how am I watching those games? <laughs> um, and so, and the NFL looks like to, to me to be on the forefront of trying to solve that universal problem of, of core cutting, like you mentioned, and, and, and trying to give its consumers, um, the, just the, the kind of platforms to, to watch it anytime, anyplace. Um, so I think it's a, I think it, it's actually the Verizon deal is going to serve as a benchmark for other sports and, and potentially other, you know, other markets too. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's really interesting. Evan, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, but I think it's so like the NFL and just their, their broadcasting and, and streaming, right? It's just the, the way they're able to kind of divide it up and, and keep selling essentially the same thing over and over and over just with different uh, specifications. So Verizon pays $2.5 billion for a five-year deal to stream live in-market NFL games on its websites. And then you've got, um, you know, you've got these deals with Amazon or Twitter um, in Canada, there's the DAZN thing for NFL streaming. Yuck. <laughs> which, Yuck. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it hasn't had the greatest reviews, but uh, but they're just able to kind of package the same thing and, and sell it a bunch of different ways and just keep keep making money off their, their broadcast rights because it's in such high demand. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting, too, because if you don't pay for rights for NFL games, then you're... you're you're out of luck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you pretty much have to have it on your network or people are just going to go over Fox or CBS. So when you can get into the game, especially when it comes to the NFL, you have to. You have to make that jump, right? How do you, how do you guys watch games? You watch them still on, on cable or TV or streaming? or? Yeah, usually. Well, I'm a Raiders fan, so, I mean, i got to stream most of my games. But anything else, I'll usually watch what's on cable. Yeah, I mean... Um, I'll the I'll watch on cable like Shabazz does most of the most of the games that are interesting. I think the NFL does a good job of getting their you know marquee games on some sort of TV. Um, but uh, I will stream from time to time on on my laptop if I want to watch a second game where I have some vested interest in. It's coming down to the wire or something like that. I will stream it on my laptop and have it in front of me while watching that game. Um, picture in picture yeah exactly you know have the sound off and two laptops and then realize after three minutes that it stopped and i don't know what the score is anymore (laughs) um but yeah i mean i i tried um the zone for the first week of the season and it was that was a terrible experience they i know they offered another free month for people but um it wasn't you know it wasn't the product that that we needed i i love my sunday ticket <laughs> i love my nfl red zone but um i you know the verizon thing um i believe in, if i understood this correctly would would allow us to to watch like a bills game um anywhere if you have the nfl app or anything like that um kind of like you know we were mentioning sportsnet 
now and TSN Go and all that stuff, it gives us the ability of watching not just a channel, not just like whatever's on Sportsnet, but but uh, specific games. Um, I think it's groundbreaking to be to be quite honest. So yeah. it's, it's forcing people at ESPN and CBS to have to step up their game in that sense too. Like, up. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> CB, like I think I don't know if he's a current executive or like a former executive from CBS. I said. They're setting up for a war, and it was directly talking about the NFL and streaming that CBS never used to be worried about having the rights to sh- broadcast their games, but because viewership is shifting to streaming and whatnot, that they, they're setting up a service. ESPN is setting up a service. Everyone's doing it now because they have to. Yeah, and then, uh, and it's not just about, you know, it's not just broadcasting. We're seeing a changing landscape everywhere. Like Fox Sports um, changed all of their online stuff to videos. There's no reporting anymore. Yeah. So they realize the niche in their market saying a lot of no one wants to read a story about, you know, what's happening. They just want to see two guys uh, talking about it for two minute split. Right. And, and, and that's it. That's all they want to, all they want to hear. That's all they want to see. So there's actually, if you go on sport, I think Fox sports, you won't see like uh, reporters or anything like that. It's all just kind of this format of podcasts yeah. and two guys, you know, people reporting it and, um, you know, people being in the studio talking about it. So, uh, yeah, times are changing. It's not the same. I know I, I feel like I'm 50 or feel like my, my dad right now, but yeah, times are changing. It's not like when we were, you know, when we were younger in, in school and stuff like that, um, where TV was the only thing you could watch. That's the only way you were getting the NFL is paying for Sunday ticket or, you know, getting Leafs TV. Now there's, there's multitude of ways of, of getting getting what you want to watch i think that like from the traditional broadcast side like there's there's always that talk that it's that it's a bubble and it's it's coming to it's coming to an end and um so leagues like you know the nfl nba and, and that that relies so much and their there's you know their ability to pay these crazy salaries for players are primarily driven through what they were able to generate from their broadcast rights um so the nfl seems like you know recognizing that okay maybe this is this gravy train is going to come to an end eventually we got to find the next solution um for for generating this you know much money if not more from our from our broadcast rights and deals like verizon deals like uh twitter or amazon or um all these things are maybe different ways to to try to go about that um and we see we see it here in canada too i mean the uh justin you mentioned the sportsnet now app which you know, twenty-five bucks a month, you can get all the all the Sportsnet channels. Uh, CBC is doing one now for it's only like five bucks, um, but you can get some some of their like premium content. So you can get, uh, I think you can get Hockey Night in Canada on on that app. So you better. <laughs> I hope so. um, I there's only much, so much Harry Potter I <laughs> I could watch on CBC. Um, I don't I don't think TSN has a has a direct over the top. Uh, streaming option yet. Yeah, I know they have their TSN Go app, but it, uh, as far as I know, you still have to have a cable subscription to be able to access yeah. that. Yeah. Um, they ask we, you for your bill. Yeah. Your account, yeah. When we worked with the Toronto Rush, I know we streamed some games through TSN Go. Um, but you got to you got to assume that all you know all these uh, you know, media organizations are going to eventually go to the direct to consumer. You know, ESPN considering doing the same thing. Um, coming out with a direct-to-consumer over-the-top streaming app that, um, yeah, it's good. I mean, it's changing the entire landscape of, uh, of media for sure. Yeah, and then the other 
scary thing is you mentioned how how important TV rights are to these leagues. When does that become not valuable anymore? You know, when you got you know hundreds of thousands of people watching your your product versus millions. So um, there's a there's a dangerous little yeah. <laughs> line here that you gotta you gotta kind of you know you gotta be on the fence here. TV rights is, I think, the main revenue generator for most leagues. So, um, you know, providing people more products to watch the game outside of TV, what does that do to your your bottom line over time? So we'll see what happens. You mentioned the the red zone, the NFL red zone too. Like, I think part of it is just it's the changing way we actually watch games. Like, instead of sitting down and watching an entire NFL game, you get something like red zone where you're watching the moments of the game that are most exciting yeah. when people are in the red zone remember I, I remember like i don't know if it still exists or anything but i used to watch on the score when that existed court surfing it was like every wednesday night yeah and it just flipped back and forth between different nba games and i, I could sit there for hours and watching that but um so part of it too i think is, yeah it's just that changing way that we actually watch games we're not that interested in sitting down for two and a half hours three hours and watching a watching a game and in particular like there's us there's our generation but then there's the people coming up after us, the younger generation that are, you know, they'll watch the the highlight on a phone and that's, you get the gist of the game, see the score, get the highlights, and that's about it. Yeah. And, and yeah, unless you're a diehard fan of one team, whether it's the Raptors, Leafs, whatever it is, um, yeah, you don't really want to sit there maybe all night to, to watch, a, you know, New Orleans Pelicans versus, you know, Oh, I'm blanking on another Western Conference team here. <laughs> Houston Rockets game to see James Harden go off for 50 points, right? You just give me a condensed version. Show me when he breaks the 50-point mark, exactly. right? So, uh, yeah, I know that's another good point. We'll see. Uh, it's 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 all changing. And, uh, um, yeah, it won't be. NFL will be the first people to do it if it goes, like, all streaming. Well, yeah, the Verizon deal. That shows it because the NFL has always been showing the money. They're not they, TV broadcasters going to spend less than the guys going to spend to broadcast everything online. They're going to go with the online broadcast. Yeah, I like watching games on TV. I don't like all this change. <laughs> Get off my lawn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I like things the way they were. <laughs> with all the, like the media organizations looking at doing like the the streaming, uh, moving away from linear broadcast, going to to more streaming. Um, like why, why wouldn't maybe a league do it themselves or, or a team do it themselves? Like I remember Steve Ballmer, uh, the owner of the Clippers, talked about exploring the idea of having his own over-the-top network for just the Clippers where you could subscribe, uh, pay a monthly fee, and get Clippers games. The Netflix model. Yeah. So maybe right now, it, I mean, to me, I think right now it's probably just more of a risk thing. You know, the, the teams are not really willing to take on that much risk and, and they're getting a nice check for, uh, for the media rights. So it's kind of hard to turn that down and take all the risk on, on doing it yourself. But if that's really where this whole thing is shifting and everybody's just going to be, you know, nobody's going to have cable anymore and everybody's just going to stream the things and subscribe to only the stuff they want to see, you know, maybe it makes sense for a team teams eventually just to, to have their own network and, and stream their games directly to the people that want them. Yeah, no, that's, that's another good point. I mean, um, I've always... I, I admire the Netflix model. I think they're they obviously broke ground on that sort of thing. But one of the best comparisons I have, and it's going to show a little bit how much of a nerd I am, but it's a w, WWE network where yeah. they real they were on a pay per view format where people had to pay fifty, sixty dollars a month to get pay per views. So 
you would watch, you know, WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, SummerSlam. There'd be maybe three all year that you would watch, and you'd be spending 150 bucks, 160 bucks, whatever it is. Um, so they realized that. They realized that they had these huge numbers in April and January, but in December, November, and you know, in May, when they had their less marquee events, there weren't a lot of pay-per-view rights. What do they do? They go to a channel where you pay 12 bucks a month, you get everything you want. You get every pay-per-view. Now they have their guaranteed dollar at the end of the year. They don't have to worry about, you know, six people going to one event and buying WrestleMania or something like that. Um, and and I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised that, like, someone like the UFC, which I, I think UFC eventually will, because they have UFC Pass already, yeah. but eventually I think UFC will adopt the same model where you get all of their, their, their shows for, you know, one yearly or monthly payment whatever it is so yeah why not why don't why don't teams just the natural succession plan right the why, WWD, aren't they losing money off of that yeah i i don't think they're losing money off of it i think they were at first okay yeah because i remember i don't know cm punk there was a whole thing i'm bringing out my year, right. bro. yeah, yeah. We, stop. <laughs> we can we can do another wrestling podcast on another podcast yeah, yeah. yeah. But they are, they, I know a couple of years ago, they reached a million subscribers. So if you think about that, that's, you know, 12 bucks a month. You're looking at $12 million a month times 12 months. That's $144 million a year. So yeah. You know, yeah. You'd be hard pressed to lose money on that, but yeah. um, makes sense. I mean, WWE makes sense. Uh, you know, they, they've always been kind of a made for TV product and they're probably going to go, go where the TV viewers are or where viewers are. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this might be like another kind of one of the get off my lawn moments. But one one of the things like I I find with with streaming anyways is that it from like from a marketing standpoint, like awareness standpoint, like you, you can't stumble upon anything anymore. Like it's you either are a big fan and you have a really high intent of watching that, and you're going to go to the website and you're going to log on and you're going to pay your monthly fee or whatever it is. Um, but you 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 have full intention of watching watching that game. So. Um, Really, yeah, it kind of hurts maybe some of the some of the other sporting events where they're not going to get the people channel surfing anymore, stumbling upon a game, and um, so it really becomes less of a uh, kind of top of the funnel marketing tool anymore. Really, yeah, <laughs> I know exactly what Evan's talking about because um, I already know. Like a Tuesday night, I'm just like, there's nothing on. Yeah, like I might stumble across something like you say, but. I know, you know, on Thursdays, I'm wa- I know what I'm watching. On Friday, I, I, I know what I want to watch. It's like a, you know, get off my lawn moment again. <laughs> I have a routine. I yeah. stick to my routine. Yeah. I watch my shows. I know when they're on. I watch Jeopardy. Yeah. And, th- and that's that, right? So, no, I definitely know what you mean. You got to go look for a stream right now, right? Yeah. You, you do have to go look for a stream. If the Raptors are playing and they're not on TV, which never happens here, but if that were the case, you'd have to go searching for that, that product. So, yeah, that's a good point. I wonder too about the just like the ad formats and everything. Like the so with the Verizon deal, you know, part of the article I was reading talked about, you know, they're going to monetize it through ad inventory within the game. So nothing kind of crazy there, but um, I think you know just like the traditional ad inventory. Like I, I know myself when any time I'm watching a game and it cuts to commercial, usually I'm either getting up and going somewhere or I'm picking up my phone and I'm doing something. I'm looking at something completely different. Um, so I wonder if part of this evolution of you know moving towards more streaming is going to change the way they monetize it and the way they put their ads. Like I've started to notice a couple times with with uh, Raptors broadcasts, like 
they'll have an ad kind of occurs in game. So on a whistle or when a guy's shooting a free throw or something, something you don't really need to see, um, they'll show a commercial there where probably not going to jump to my phone for, for that commercial. But if I know it's commercial break, that's, that's when you go to the washroom, you get a snack or you do whatever you need or or you flip to another (laughs) channel or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you wonder, yeah, are they going to change the way they're, they're looking at monetizing these as well? Yeah, I think like that, that I think that'll come become more frequent. Like, yeah, random stoppage and play when they'll bring up an ad. I think, I think you also see it where I don't know how it works if somebody buys like a sign behind the dugout at the Jays game. But sometimes you'll see like a digital image superimposed over top of it. You know it's superimposed over top of it. So maybe there'll be more of that. So maybe maybe it'll, maybe you'll increase more revenue because you're still selling the in stadium maybe at a slightly lower pro- price, but you're almost doubling it because of the, the broadcast asset that you're adding on. Yeah, I think we saw some of that at the Hockey World Championships yeah. last year. They would like Tim Hortons like had the whole rink board. It's like in this in the arena. It still has, you know, Diamond and Diamond, all that stuff. Yeah, but yeah. at home, we're watching Tim Hortons. I wonder, I remember talking to you guys about it. Like, how much do they pay for that? Like, that's like a whole period of just Tim Hortons, Tim Hortons, Tim Hortons, Tim Hortons, right? So, yeah, that's another. I mean, yeah, now if you're going into the phone, do you have that ability to put digital signs on the on the field yeah. or on the ice? Can you do that? And then um, other than, you know, the, my, my, the craziest thing for me was when there's like a 30-second timeout. And you go to commercial. It's like, oh, yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> like keep me engaged with the game, man. I understand you got to get the sponsors in and stuff, but thirty second timeout commercials, and that's that's NFL is starting to do that, where they'll they'll just put the the game in a little corner and they'll put the commercial up uh, in a big corner, and and you'll you're watching that, but the game's still on there, so you don't feel like you're detached from that game yeah. quite as much as when you know there's a two minute commercial break. I wonder, like, just how crazy the the contextual advertising could get. Like, if you think of like display ads with Google and everything now, that know know exactly what you looked at last on what web pages you've been on, and where you are, and they Google can, can Google can, can tell that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know, it, within a broadcast, like if, if particularly when it's digital, I guess it must be easier. But you know, they're able to tell exactly where people are, are coming from. Um, some of their other interests could you deliver like super targeted ads to people that are watching a live broadcast now uh, because it's moving more digital yeah I, you really like the possibilities are kind of endless if uh, you know you know you have a it could even be just as just where you're watching the game from I mean pizza pizza we know pizza pizza here in Toronto but as soon as you get west of what is it uh, Manitoba it's pizza 73. Yeah. Right. So if you if Pizza Pizza does an ad, and you're watching the the Toronto game from Edmonton, are you you're not gonna what's what's the point of seeing Pizza Pizza? It doesn't mean anything to you. But if you if you monetize that asset where it's Pizza Seventy Three to people in Edmonton, and yeah. Pizza Pizza to people watching from Toronto, Ottawa, mind blown. <laughs> That's yeah. a whole other stream of revenue yeah. for this stuff. But it doesn't make sense for it to not happen. I mean, I don't see it. Not. Yeah, really. I mean, really interesting stuff. I mean, who knows where where this could all go? But uh, I think it's probably safe to say. I mean, the, the way that it is right now, with uh, traditional linear broadcasters paying huge amounts of money to to get the rights to games, um, 
I mean, that seems like a bubble. That seems like it's going to end at some point. And then whether it's the way the NFL is kind of going about it and testing the waters right now where they're, you know, dividing it up in different ways based on uh, format, based on region, based on in-market, out-of-market, and, and selling it off that way, uh, you know, a team doing it directly, uh, you know, whatever the format is, it's probably going to end up some something, you know, more digital, more streaming, more uh, more subscription-based in that sense, so. I agree. Yeah. I'm not happy about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we should be able to get some of your Panthers games then uh, in the market, right? Eggs oven. So, uh, kind of our, our last story for uh, for the week. Uh, big new or big uh, uh, news at this week: TFC winning the MLS Cup. Um, so for for Toronto, that makes two championships in the last month with the Grey Cup uh, coming from the Argos and then the MLS Cup now with TFC. Um, I know, Justin, you've been a long-time uh, TFC fan. Any thoughts on uh, finally getting over the hump and win- winning it? Yeah, I mean, it was a great feeling. Um, I was once a season ticket holder for uh, for the team for a couple of years, and then, you know, life gets in the way. But, yeah, I've always been a big supporter, and I've watched the team since they were a mess. And, you know, Di Rosario was out there by himself, it seemed like, scoring goals, and Danny Dicchio and, and all these guys. So uh, it was really a special moment, I think, for the city, but more specifically, specifically for the fans that have been supporting them since day one. Um, there was a plan set in place when Tim Lailicki was hired here, and Tim Dishpashpanko was, I think I butchered his last name, but <laughs> uh, was hired on GM. They had a they had a plan. They brought in marquee players. They made the commitment to the city, um, and it was great to see it all come together. I know a lot. I know you know. I know a few people who were involved behind the scenes there, and how how happy they were. So. It really was personally for me. It was it was a special moment to see that it's you know probably the biggest um, championship Toronto's won since what the Jays I guess. Um, great cups, great cup, but we're talking about a North American sport here with more teams, and it was awesome. And it, and to put the cherry on top, um, they I don't think it's arguable. They they had the best season ever in MLS. They were the first team to win all three trophies. They had the most points in the regular season and what I thought was one of the most dominating performances in the finals that I've ever seen. That was a complete domination. So um, special moment for me, special moment for the city. Uh, seems like everybody kind of got on board there and I think TFC's on the up and up. We'll see what, what happens in the, in the coming years. But um, I know Shabazz brought up um, they don't even get much of a break, do they? They, they no, got yeah, 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 yeah. They win the championship. They got to go back to training on Tuesday. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 I think that's kind of the interesting part of it, like on the, the the business side. I think with kind of the last two years, especially with how Toronto FC's done with the crowds, with how the city embraces soccer and kind of how that market comes together for them. With the Concacaf champ, I'm not a soccer person, so I'm kind of just gonna be talking here. But the Concacaf <laughs> Champions League, which I guess is all the clubs, the top clubs from North and South America, come play in a tournament, and for the first time they're doing it in Toronto every game out of BMO Field. It's being played from February to March, which is get your toques so Yeah, it's cold. Yeah, <laughs> prime yeah. time for outdoor soccer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but I think that that is kind of a teller of how how big an impact TFC's had and how big kind of like the soccer market not even just the North American soccer market but getting into the the CONCACAF sees Toronto as because they're going to come in here and the most of those games will probably be sold out even if 
Toronto FC is not playing or one of the more local teams aren't playing, you're going to have a good crowd every time. Yeah, Toronto was a starving soccer market, and uh, they got finally got their championship. The funny thing we were talking about, actually, and I know we want to get into the business impact that this has, but uh, I think a lot of the Founders Club members that had tickets from year one were kind of promised that their uh, their seats wouldn't go up in price until they won a championship. So now it's... Uh, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it's not a jump right up to what everyone else is paying but an incremental one but uh but i'm sure they'll all happily pay it because they got their title and they've been waiting for it for 11 years so uh so so what do we think you know winning a championship like like the mls cup um what do we think that means for for the business um you know i i, I was too young to really keep an, an eye on how the Jays would have their business would have been impacted by you know after winning two two World Series, um, but you know winning a you know a major North American championship. You know what what should we expect or what can we you know look for next year to, to see you know is it having an impact on on the business side of things? I think I think it's an interesting scenario because they're pretty much already capped out as of right now they're kind of capped out they have like all their season tickets sold which is twenty one thousand season tickets. And they're, I think Evan, you mentioned ninety three percent capacity over the season, so they're adding. They had north side temporary seating, so they're making those permanent. And I know the president came out this morning and said that they're going to have twenty five thousand season seats next year, and they expect those to be all be sold as well. So, I think just because they're adding more seats, they're going to, and because it's already kind of like a top end product that they, people want in on it, that that's going to increase. But other than that, I I personally don't see kind of what else can go up if they're already capped out in that sense. Yeah, other than maybe the I don't I don't know if there's an odd sponsor that wants to jump on board now cuz you're, you know, now your brand's associated with winning. Um, but the way I see it is that TFC may have laid a blueprint for other Canadian markets. Now, to me it's already a little I mean, there's only two Canadian teams, right? Yeah. No, three, three, Montreal and Vancouver. So, you know, do, do you does Ottawa, OSEG, and you know Ottawa Fury, they have up there. I know we did some work with them, but um, do they see an opportunity now? Do they see what it can become? What you know, the, another fan base that you reach? Um, you know, does Edmonton? Uh, you know, the CFL cities, pretty much. I'm not going to name all of them, but um, can can TFC's uh, I guess blueprint be replicated? And does it give hope to other cities that? You know, now the Canadian Cup has, you know, three teams in it. I think Edmonton Edmonton used to be in it, I don't know anymore. But um, does, you know, you can grow to five, six, seven teams, whatever whatever the case is. But that's where I see kind of the the growth possibly coming from. Not TSU specific, but soccer specific in Canada. And now you have more teams and you have bigger TV right deals. And um, that's where I see kind of the, the improvement coming. Like, I didn't think about this before, but like you, with you mentioning that with the Canadian Premier League coming in, I think maybe they see it as something like you're mentioning. It could be a really good time for them now, even more than before, to kind of get into the market and yeah, see I what mean, happens, right? Yeah, people. A lot of people fell in love with soccer over the playoff run, so um, it could just be serve as a launching pad to to new business in in Canada and soccer, and I think that's a good thing. Yeah. So good, to, a good couple months for Toronto sports. Uh, Grey Cup, MLS Cup. So we've got Leafs in season right now, Raptors in season right now. Um, 
you had to kind of pick one that you think is most more likely to, to be our next champion, Oof. who would you think? I would say just because of their their young guns, I, I would say it's probably the Leafs. Just because there's no Golden State Warriors in the yeah. NHL. <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's exactly right. Like I want to say the Raptors because I think that's the championship I would want to see the most next. But the way the teams are built and the way the leagues are built, it's yeah probably the Leafs. Uh, that's we're not considering the Rock and stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. yeah, but I, I think that's our big. I, you know, they have uh, they have their young guys there now and. They have them all under a rookie contract, so now is the time to yeah, kind of compete. Three years here. Yeah, I mean, the Raptors have a great team, and uh, their bench is – Evan, we didn't even talk about this. I'm going to throw it over to you soon, Evan. But <laughs> their bench is, like, the, one of the most exciting things about the team, and they have, like, legit superstars, and DeRozan and Lowry, and they got OG now, who like, might be my first favorite player, but – there's the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. And there's Cleveland. Cleveland. <laughs> Boston now, right? And Boston now. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say Lakers. Yeah. Uh, so, so our performance on the field, ice, court, everything getting better. Uh, but, Justin, you were mentioned just before uh, we hopped on the podcast. One thing apparently we have to get better at is uh, championship roots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw it. I mean, uh, TFC had their championship route uh, on Monday, I believe. So, yesterday. And it was literally, it looked like a, it was just a right and straight to Nathan Phillips Square. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't, uh, didn't seem very long unless there was traffic, which there probably was in Toronto, but they closed off the road. Yeah. But um, it seemed like there was a good crowd there. But yeah, I mean, you know, we haven't won one in like, you know, a couple yeah, of years here. Out, <laughs> yeah, out, right? we'll, we'll get the hang of it. And this was our first one. So hopefully the next one, which, you know, Raptors leaves, hopefully, uh, Hopefully it's bigger, better. But yeah, it was it was I saw the John Tory kind of released a map of the parade and it was like a looked like a backward C. The Raptors won the championship where they start from the Hershey Center because the road to the six starts there. <laughs> Just parade down the four one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much traffic you want to create that day. Close down the four oh one might not be a good idea. Pretty worth it. Uh, no but, work. but yeah, I mean I've seen championship parades where they go through the whole city and yeah. takes over an hour, but uh, you know it was it was good. It was a it was a good moment, but yeah, I'd like to see a little, a little couple more twists and turns to the the parade route next time, please. <laughs> um, so what, I guess one kind of final wrap up question. Um, so we've got a you know a couple championships in in Toronto now. If you're one of the the lucky players on that team and you win. You win the Grey Cup or you win the MLS Cup. What are you doing with that trophy for the, the day that you get it? Okay. I'm definitely – it's going to be with me, like, all times. Like, it's never going to leave my eye. Like, family coming over or whatever, friends, not going to leave my eye. Food out of it just because it seems like something you have to do. And beverages of certain kind because I feel like that's something you have to do. Can no well. juice. Juice, exactly. Yeah, sprites. Diet Cokes. Diet Cokes and sprites and – Honestly, I think that would just kind of be it. Just kind of like hang out and just be with people like you're close to and just party. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I know, Shabazz goes with the politically correct answer, <laughs> you know, the boring answer. I'd buy a plane ticket to uh, the city I just beat <laughs> and just walk around with it all day. 
<laughs> that that would be my uh, that would be my plan. I think that would be a lot of fun. Maybe dangerous a little bit, but yeah. Maybe depending on what sport you want. Yeah, I mean, if you took good. the yeah, if you <laughs> took good. the Super Bowl to Atlanta after Patriots won, oh. I don't know if that oh. would have gone pretty well. Oh. So uh, that's what I would do, just to be a little different. Yeah. How about you, Evan? I, I would probably I would eat and drink out of it, but I'd clean it first, <laughs> just based on uh, what you hear. But um, I don't know. First thing that kind of comes to mind is just like taking it out in public and just like normal everyday places, and just having it. <laughs> and then just see how people react and see who buckle it into the car, yeah. yeah. Like go right in the H O V lane. Yeah. <laughs> With the sandwich <laughs> next to you. Yeah. Like, I'm just picturing like being in line to get groceries or something. And just <laughs> walk up the sandwich in your car. That's good. That'd be a good uh That'd be a good uh, video to make. That would be good. Evan, Evan grocery shopping. <laughs> Evan get filling up on gas. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks a lot, guys. This was uh, this was great. Um, yeah, thanks a lot for uh, taking the time out to join the podcast again. Thank no, you. Yeah, no problem. Welcome, Shabazz. Yeah. No, it was, was a lot of fun, man. It was fun. Yeah, it was good. I, I could feel your veteranness rubbing off. Yeah, on the yeah. Rest of <laughs> us here. Sports that, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Joey, Joey Vendetta, shout out. Yeah. <laughs> can't wait for next week. We'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. Seems like a lot happens every week really? here. Yeah. <laughs> Special thanks to Justin and Shabazz for taking time out to join the podcast today. Let us know what you think, anything you agree with, disagree with. You can email us at info at cosmosports.com. Remember, if you haven't already, you can subscribe to the Cosmos podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're planning on having a new episode every Wednesday. If you really like what you heard, we'd very much appreciate a rating or a review. And if you're looking for more insight on sports business in Canada, you can also check out our blog at cosmosports.com blog. My name is Evan Colborn. Thank you very much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.